HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, and welcome to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. On today's episode, we welcome the fine, casual expansion of Tender Greens from sunny California. What began as a single establishment in Culver City is now nearly 30 locations strong. And today we have CEO and co-founder, Eric, and I'm going to let you pronounce your last name. Oberholzer. (laughs) Here to talk about how a seasoned chef himself spent time in white tablecloth kitchens of the slow food movement. But it wasn't until a stint in Malibu... Where was the stint? It was at a restaurant where you and your friends realized you were cooking all this amazing cuisine, all this wonderful food, but you could not have access or afford it yourselves after shift. That's right. I, we actually were in Santa Monica um, at a little boutique hotel called Shutters on the Beach. And it's this precious little hotel right on the sand, um, well known to many people from the East Coast but very expensive, and my entire career had been catering and cooking for the the 1%, a uh, demographic that I wasn't really part of. I mean, were you surrounded by this kind of food or food systems when you were growing up in Pennsylvania? Was this part of your inherent, you know, rearing, upbringing, food knowledge? Yeah, my mom's Italian, so she was always in the kitchen cooking, and every night we would sit down to a well-prepared meal as a as a family, I have three brothers, so we were a big family. My dad had a garden. We were surrounded by Amish farms, so food was central to our life. You know, Pennsylvania to California, there isn't really like a new Pennsylvania cuisine or something that defines that Amish country cooking. So going to Johnson and Wales and then relocating on the West Coast, was it that change, that, that you know, new perspective on food that 
made you who you are today? Yeah, when I landed in Berkeley uh, back in, I think it was 1991, uh, in the kitchens first of Chez Panisse and then Lark Creek Inn, it was as though, you know, the world went from black and white to color. Um, I got to Berkeley in, in the summer and the heirloom tomatoes were in full swing, all the different shades of purple with the eggplants in different shapes and uh, the gypsy peppers. And it was, it was just uh, mind-blowing to me. And, and back then, the farmers who would come to our back door with whatever they had grown or foraged uh, informed the menu for the day. Uh, so that informed my approach and my relationship to cooking um, moving forward. I, I love the words heirloom, shades, as well as gypsy peppers. These, these descriptors. I mean, when did that become part of your lexicon? Was it still that Berkeley thing? Or did you know there was something more than just a tomato prior to that? You know, there was a Jersey beefsteak and a cherry <laughs> tomato. And when I got to Berkeley and saw the different colors and shapes and flavors, um, you know, I, it was as though I was seeing produce for the first time. And, and that's what has always driven the, the Bay Area food scene were, were the ingredients. And then on top of that, it was the wine coming out of Napa Valley and Sonoma, um, which, you know, I had a full romance with. And, and the food culture, the artisans, um, Laura Chanel, um, and, and the other, uh, other you know, pioneers in, in, in cheese were just coming of age, Nyman Ranch. Uh, there were so many brands that were in startup phase back then that are now you know, uh, well-known around the world. Another word that you used was informed. Um, while working at Shutters on the Beach in Santa Monica, were you an informed chef? Did you know where the produce was coming from? Had you visited these locations? Or is that now part of your contemporary verbiage because you are a restaurant owner? No, I, I, always, I always knew where the ingredients were coming from. Um, and I've, it's always been a practice since you know, the early days in, in the Bay Area to, to visit the farms, to develop a relationship with those farmers and to walk the, the fields and the pastures. And, you know, when we first had the idea for Tender Greens, the first trip we made was up to Oxnard to Scarborough Farms to meet with Ann and Jeff Stein. Um, we shared the two-page overview in the, in the menu and pointed out that much of the menu was built around what they, they grow. And we had a, a relationship with them already. So... Um, they were excited and decided to invest, which was our, our hope. And, and then we also had this deal with, with them that every, every restaurant we would open, the first $25,000 worth of ingredients that they sent to us was converted to equity versus us having to write a check because at the time we didn't have very much money. <laughs> you know, when you started Tender Greens with your co-founders, David Dressler and Matt Lyman, uh, there was this term, democratizing fine dining. What did that mean to you, and does it still hold true today? Yeah, absolutely. So the idea of democratizing you know, fine dining or good food um, 
just means making it accessible, available to everyone or to as many people as possible. Fine dining, almost by definition, is exclusive. You know, it's when your parents are in town or you have an expense account or you're celebrating something. Um, and, and, you know, based on how I grew up and my lifelong, you know, relationship with food, uh, I think good food should be a daily luxury, uh, not an occasional one. And you can make that a daily luxury if, if you pull out all of the unnecessary bells and whistles and just focus on really good food that's thoughtfully sourced and, and prepared at the, you know, at the hand of a talented chef. I mean, that's why I love in your description that your restaurants are chef-led. And, you know, I see a lot of PR. I see a lot of marketing. But something rung so true about that because the more and more I see these fast, casual places open up and they kind of franchise out, there is no face. You know, the face is how good the produce is, how good the food is. But you still want that person-to-person interaction. And I think that's symbiotic with what the slow food movement is, that there was always an association back so, do you consider yourself a slow food restaurant? Yeah, we're slow food done fast. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, slow food to me is food that is handled with care at every stage, uh, from soil to seed to nurturing of that food, whether it's an animal or a plant, and the distance traveled and the, and the care with which it's, it's handled. Um, and then once it gets to the kitchen that is prepared, um, you know, with, 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 with a, an intimate relationship with that, that product so that you never mask the integrity of, or the beauty of the raw ingredient. You just lift it, you bring it out a bit. So, you know, our, our, simple way of describing that is, you know, buy the best possible ingredients and and don't fuck them up. (laughs) You know, what a segue into mindfulness. But, you know, I've I've watched a couple of your, um, like your TEDx talk, which was more about kind of urban farming and, you know, uh, bolstering the community. But you also talk about the idea of mindfulness. And uh, I know you practice in many types of meditation. Um, how does that play into the concept of not only who you are, but how your restaurants want to project themselves? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been practicing transcendental meditation for 30 years. And, you know, what that affords someone is sort of this balance. And in that balance and in that presence, um, the opportunity to show up you know, for your community um, in a way that's additive or helpful. So it's always been our intention to not just, you know, show up as a restaurant or an employer, uh, but as, as, as a member of the community that matters. Um, so as we grow, uh, we don't only grow this mission of bringing good food real food, whole food to as many people as possible. But we also look to leverage uh, food as an agent of change. And we can do that in so many ways, whether it's, um, you know, health and wellness or um, 
job training or you know breaking cycles of poverty and dysfunction in food deserts um, and under resourced communities. So there are a lot of ways that we can uh, you know communicate through food and 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 be helpful. And you know that's so neighborhood specific too because of your 27 locations in LA, San Diego, Orange County, the Bay Area, and now New York City in this past week, and soon to be Boston as well. Um, Each restaurant is designed in its own special and unique way that serves the neighborhood in the ways that it needs. So it isn't a cookie cutter in a sense. You know, you're really adapting not only menu, but kind of mantra to wherever you're opening your next location. Yeah, we, um, you know, I'm going to borrow this from Danny Meyer because it, it's appropriate, but, um, you know, we look to be of the neighborhood, not happen to the neighborhood. Um, so we, we study the, you know, the neighborhood and, and, and the style and the, the vibe of the neighborhood. And, and we make a big effort to, you know, to, to blend into that, but at the same time, bring our own, um, personality as well, so that we're adding, you know, adding something to the dynamic of the neighborhood. Excellent. We're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about the three core philosophies of Tender Greens, chef, food, and community. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds. Or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally any way, any time, any place. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese, the farmstead cheese company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious, stinky Limburger and its long storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Sirchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satori's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese with lush grasslands and a glacial water supply that produce the very best milk. Fourth-generation cheesemakers combine old-world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here with Eric Oberholzer. Very good. I tried, you know, phonetically, (laughs) sounded it out, of Tender Greens. I got that right as well. Tendergreens.com. Thanks, David. The core philosophy of Tender Greens, not to make it an acronym, but, you know, CFC, Chef's Food Community. Can you break down those three things and talk about how they relate and what the unions of those are? Yeah, when we talk about chef, you know, it's, it's someone who's deeply passionate about food, expresses themselves through food, and carries the leadership um, and the attention to detail to really execute on our promise uh, so that we are able to deliver the best possible food that we can at a reasonable price. Um, you know, food 
Uh, we're, we're in the restaurant business, obviously. So, uh, you know, it's our version of what we think is craveable, good food that is really thoughtfully sourced, inherently good for you, not health food. But, uh, you know, just because of the, the manner in which uh, we cook and the balance of more of a plant-forward diet, not exclusive um, you know, I think we, we accommodate a, a modern lifestyle around food without, again, being unfamiliar or, or unrelatable to many people. So, and then, the, you know, community, we've, uh, you know, it's, I think, once you're, you find some success as an individual or, or a business, you've, in a sense, gotten enough oxygen from the mask and you start looking around the room, you start looking around the neighborhood or even the planet and asking, you know, who, who needs some oxygen? You know, who can I help out? And the way we look at the world is, you know, what are some of the big challenges ahead of us? And how are we uniquely um, positioned to, to do something? Um, and it might be related to environment, it might be related to uh, farming technology, it might be r related to food security or, or foster youth. Yeah, and with community comes a center, and by that I mean a, a CDC, a executive chef, and you have a wonderful one here in Peter Balistrieri. Mm -hmm. And what he does here is creates not just a menu that's like-minded to the rest of Tender Greens, but draws from a community of people that are already established here, from Gotham Greens, Windfall Farms, Eckerton Hill Farm, Luke's Lobster, Beecher's Cheese. So no matter where you're going, you're kind of creating that same, there's a nucleus and then you web out and you find like-minded individuals. And it's, it's, it's kind of like you are trying to work together as a bigger one rather than as this autonomous thing. Um, I mean, do you feel like that statement's true? Or do you feel like Tender Greens is... is something that does not involve itself is antithetical to what I just said. No, I, it's absolutely true. We, uh, we, we support, we connect um, to, to other like-minded organizations. Gotham Greens uh, is a good example of a, of, of a modern farm model that we, we love and we want to support. Um, they're here, here in Brooklyn. Um, and they're very collaborative, so we can provide real-time feedback on, uh, on the, you know, the ingredients that they, they bring us, and they can adjust as, as needed. And then, you know, I was just in London with Virage, uh, the founder of Gotham Greens, and we're working on a project with the, the, the Global Seed Vault and the Crop Trust to reintroduce um, forgotten foods back into the food system. So, you know, we have a a business relationship, but then there's this relationship on on bigger, you know, bigger issues that we can collaborate on. And I feel like you set this kind of core foundation, and then everything else is modular after that. You know what parts you need, and you know what partners you want to have around. I mean, Danny Myers is an investor of Tender Greens and helped bring you to New York. What is it having somebody like that as a friend and mentor and business partner? And who else are you looking for out there right now? Well, you know, you're, you're measured by the company you keep. And if you keep 
people around you who are smarter uh, and uh, and better than you and more talented, then it's just going to raise your your performance. That's and, why I have this show. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, Danny's a good example. There's nobody better than Danny Meyer. Um, so as a fellow entrepreneur, as someone who's been there and back already and can see around the corner who no matter what he's faced with he uh, he finds an elegant pathway um, it is you know it, it's a relationship that is always um, you know n- nudging me towards a better version of myself I mean I, I read your menu plates salad sandwiches green soups desserts with that, what are you trying to reinvent? I mean, that feels very standardized, but then obviously you read deeper into it and you see things like salt and pepper chicken, backyard marinated steak, or brushed tuna. There's both a culinary story and I feel like there's a deeper attachment to, you know, the, the stories that this menu speaks. Well, I, I think it's, it, I wouldn't say that we're reinventing. I think we're revisiting uh, or rediscovering. And, and the idea behind the tender greens menu is um, to really do the type of food that you want on a daily basis that, that you crave, you know, the comfort of a perfect, perfectly roasted chicken and some creamy mashed potatoes or, or rustic tomato soup or perfect, perfectly, you know, cooked steak mid rare. That's been well rested. Um, these are not, um, these are, these are, not unfamiliar to anybody. Um, what we did 12 years ago is um, take classics and then do them with better ingredients. Um, at, again, at the hand of a of a chef, so that it, you know, the right amount of salt and pepper is is on this on the chicken, and you know, it's perfectly cooked. Um, so it's it's very it's very simple. Again, just buy buy the best ingredients. Prepare them in a way that's relatable to an audience, but the best possible version of that that item. But what is more than admirable is that it may be unfamiliar for certain people. And with programs like the Sustainable Life Project, you're introducing the comforts of mashed potatoes and fried chicken and a great grilled piece of tuna to people who might not have experienced it before. And so what is it like? What is that program in essence, and what is it like to be able to introduce, you know, that slow food mantra to somebody who might not have experienced it otherwise? You know, it's it's amazing to watch. So we take emancipated foster youth, uh, kids um, most likely to fall through the cracks of society, least likely to gain access into the workforce, and through the paid six-month culinary internship, um, we introduce them to, to the type of food that we do. We bring them into the family culture that we have. And for the first time, they're part of a team working towards something bigger than themselves. And the transformation uh, is inspiring to watch. Um, here in New York, we, we have a, a young sous chef who seven years ago was one of those youth. He was homeless. He, uh, he had no family, no money, no education. 
and through the program and through his own just grit and, and hustle, um, through the years he, he worked his, himself, you know, through the, through the ranks and now he's been a, a big part of our opening team and, you know, he has, he has a world ahead of him because being able to open in New York, move to New York and have some level of authority, uh, paints a much different future for him than he th- thought he had seven or eight years ago. I mean, what does that make you feel like as, as co-founder, as CEO of Tender Greens, and how does that make you want to expand your mission? Well, it's, it's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, you know, if, if we can change people's lives for the better, whether it's uh, through access to better food, um, so that they build up, you know, a, a better self-esteem or that they, they look at the growth of tender greens as, as a lifelong journey and opportunity or they, um, for the first time, they, they really feel connected to something uh, that is about mission and purpose and uh, much bigger than a, a paycheck. So when I, when I see my team responding to this and, and using the, the environment of Tender Greens um, to shape their lives, to inform who they are. Um, you know, it's like a parent uh, who's proud of their kids. Yeah, and also it's that realization that life experiences can affect lives other than your own. And I, I want to talk about this instant where you happen to be in Baja swimming with Kenpachi, mm-hmm. uh, which sounds like a wonderful vacation, sounds like. It was nice. Yeah. But but how does that affect you in the greater sense of tender greens? Well, it, it's a good example of the, the, the degree to which we um, go to, to really vet every ingredient. Um, the parody of Portlandia and the chicken is a reality for me. That's, that's how I live my life and, and, and run Tender Green. So flying down to, to Baja to, to look at this aqua farm, uh, to see the hatchery and the, all the way into the open, open cages out in the, or open pens out in, 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 the, in the ocean, um, you know, it was very interactive to the point where we ate the, the food, the pellets that the fish were being fed and jumped in the water um, with the fish, 10,000 kampachi swimming in one direction. And if you stop, it's quite an experience to have kampachi just smashing into you. Yeah. I mean, aside from having those kind of epic vendor relationships, do you feel like being in that terroir translates to flavor, to the taste, that you have some kind of different and inherent knowledge of preparation because of having it in this place? It's respect. Um, if you've, if you literally have been in the water with these fish, uh, when, when that fish comes into our kitchen, um, there's a different connection. And with that connection, um, a much deeper respect for that for that fish and and for the the quality of it, which then translates into um, 
real attention to detail uh, and, and honoring that fish, not just assuming it, it came in in a, in, a, in, a, in a box with some ice. And, and we do that with everything, whether it's um, with, with beef. I've, I've walked every, every ranch and, uh, you know, sat there on the kill floor, um, not because I enjoy it, but um, I feel as though I, I need to, to witness that. If, if I'm going to serve animals, um, then I, I need to be uh, as deeply involved in, in the entire process as possible. I mean, have there been situations with a vendor of yours that haven't allowed you as a person and as a, as a you know, business to serve their things because of what you've seen or what you've not been able to see? Yeah, I, th- I had this conversation just the other day that um, I wanted to go visit uh, the, the, uh, the chicken farm um, from, from egg all the way to chicken soup. Um, down in Pennsylvania, and at first there was some resistance, and that resistance made me press harder uh, because I, th- I think every farmer should uh, be happy um, to to have a chef come in and, without notice, um, take a tour of the the farm or the ranch or the or the, or the processing plant. And if you're if you're not comfortable with that, then there's probably something wrong. Yeah, and you're a local Cutstown boy, right? That's right. You're already from Pennsylvania. That's you right. should have seen those eggs when you were little. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, Tender Greens at nearly 30 locations, um, I'm assuming this is not the end. There, There is much more to be done throughout this country, maybe even internationally. Do you have sites set on specific cities or projects? I mean, how do you expand a brand that seems ever expandable? Thoughtfully and, um, you know, with discipline. So, you know, we're really focused on on, on New York right now. Um, it's been a great first week. Uh, I moved here uh, because it's that important, um, not just to, to help cultivate the culture here, but to, to connect with the community and reconnect with, you know, what feels like coming home in many ways. Um, and then as we, as we grow, both in New York and Boston and D.C. and Philly, um, then we'll start to look at some other opportunities, perhaps Chicago or Texas. And there are certainly international mar- markets that um, we think we do very well. I mean, Tender Greens is seasonal kitchens serving wholesome, craveable, responsibly sourced, beautifully prepared food. But it obviously changes from city to city. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen those distinct differences between sunny California and, I mean, it, it's bright and nice out today, but it is wintry New York. It's chilly. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're selling a lot of the, you know, the hot plates. Um, this time of year, you want comfort. And, and we'll cook, you know, we'll do slower braises and heavier food this time of year. And then as we get into to spring, we'll, we'll lighten it up. Um, what I what I love about being on the East Coast is the North Atlantic, and uh, we're working with a small group called Sea Sea to Table, and uh, you know they work with small boats and docks, um, and all of the uh, all of the fish are are, um, are are managed, so there's there's no poaching, 
and the quality is pristine, and it gives us the flexibility to really follow the, the micro seasons around the, the fisheries here in, in, in the North Atlantic. And, you know, that's one of those things. I know you have a weekly seafood plate, and that gets to highlight kind of those ventures, but I'm a person that does care about modularity, permutation, and the instability of having a menu that stays to change. You have to trust your chefs. You have to trust your employees. You have to trust your vendors so much. Do you have any trust issues, or how do you manage chaos? Well, it's... You find the right chef, and then you trust that chef. You know, it's like friends and relationships. You know, it, I think if you, you, you take the time to, to find the right people, and if you were right, um, and they have shared values and shared integrity, then, um, then, then you can gift them with that freedom to express themselves and sometimes surprise you. You can learn a lot from farmers and your chefs and everybody else. I mean, what have those surprises been, aside from how good Peter's salami is? Well, you know, the salami was, was, a, was a big one, but, you know, it's, even the sous chefs we have here in New York, um, you know, I have a point of view on, on everything, but I try and stay disciplined around um, not getting too involved in the creative process as it's happening. Uh, so that I have the opportunity to, to be surprised. And the other day, um, you know, our sous chef Carver, who came out of Meat Hook here in, in Brooklyn, um, did a white bolognese uh, with a pickled fennel um, added onto it, which just popped it a little bit. It was a little surprise. And, um, and it's not how I would have made it, but it was delicious. So, you know, those moments of seeing something through somebody else's lens and, and, and really uh, finding satisfaction in that uh, is, is a great opportunity, for, you know, for new food experiences and also learning. It's always nice to hear that someone in your situation, in your stature in this business, can still be pleasantly surprised. All the time. Yeah. Well, if you haven't tried Tender Greens yet, there's one in New York. What are you waiting for? whole bunch in California, Boston coming soon, and who knows where else. Thank you, Eric, for being on the food scene. Thank you. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. A big thank you to Wisconsin Cheese, Music by Cookies, and David Tattashore Engineering. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.